Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, our post-game recap podcast of the uh, 10-10-70-8-15-63 win by the Hawks on Saturday afternoon over Gold Coast in a game that never reached particularly great heights, but it was a win. Number eight for the year for Hawthorne, I guess, as I welcome Andrew Weiss and Darren Levine to the podcast. When you've had eight wins for the year, it's, uh, you don't have to love them all. No, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, over the next few weeks, no doubt we'll go back and have a look at our crystal balls from the start of the season. I'm, I'm, I don't think any of us tipped us to win eight games. I think, I think six might have been the maximum that any of the insiders tipped for us to win. And even that was seen at the time to be um, very, very... Uh, bright, positive, and perhaps a little bit over the top. So to get away with eight, uh, with two games to spare, I, I don't think it matters specifically just how dour they they were. The fact of the matter is we're able to, to get them under the belt, which is a good thing. Daz, what was the dourness or doingness ranking of this one out of 10? Oh, it was hard to wash at times. Um, probably is 10... Full dower, full dower, or doer, or is one? What's the scale? If ten is full doer, going backwards. Yeah, I'm going to say eight and a half. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was about that, and uh, not that you know, it's hit and miss the games in Tassie sometimes, and that one was a bit missed. But you take the wins and you move on. And uh, as uh, I wrote in the recap article, nice to meet the Suns, who I could have gobbed off a bit the last couple of times we've played and beaten the Hawks. So put them back in their box a bit. Let's get into the player rankings. You know the drill. You know what to do. We'll start we're going uh, in numerical order. Sorry for those who like us to mix it up a little bit, but it's too, a couple of slight technical issues tonight. So we're going to get straight into it. Uh, Harry Morrison is number one for Hawthorne. 20 disposals. He had six marks, four tackles, did not score. 40% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions for young Harry, four turnovers, four intercept possessions, five score involvements. He was uh, 316 metres gained. Um, he had uh, two one percenters, certainly did not, uh, four rebound 50, certainly did not figure at centre bounces. We'll kick off with you, Daz. Yeah, uh, probably one of his poorer games for the year. I think the 40% disposal efficiencies, as it says it all, made a few sort of baffling decisions. I think there was that one out of bounds on the full when we were thrusting forward. Um, so he's had a good year, Harry, and I don't, don't want to be too harsh. Um, so it's going to be a six for me. Um, wasn't terrible, but just wasn't one of his better games either. Number three for Hawthorne is Tom Mitchell, 25 disposals, which comprised, comprised eight kicks, 17 handballs, four marks, four tackles, 56% defensive half, 84% disposal efficiency. He had 12 contested possessions, three turnovers, two intercept possessions, uh, did not score, three score involvement, 334 metres gained, 91 minutes of 120 minutes on the ground, which I think is worth discussing as well. Um, Andrew, anything else? I've said about Satensis, he had eight. Always a relevant stat when it comes to Tom Mitchell. Uh, what did you think? 
Yeah, so this obviously isn't the Tom Mitchell we've come to know and love, but I don't actually mind this Tom Mitchell. Like, if he is playing a total, totally secondary role in our midfield unit, still able to get 25 touches, and we're talking about other players as opposed to saying our midfield was smashed and where was Tom Mitchell and where were our leaders, um, I think that's a good thing. So it certainly wasn't one of his best games, but I'm giving him a 6 out of 10 um, and think that if this is the role that he's playing for the next few years, then it also puts to bed the question of, you know, should he be in the team? I think it's a valuable role for him to be playing. It's interesting that it's settled in now that he's just less time on the ground and less time uh, at fewer centre bounces and increasingly starting on a wing or coming off a flank at a uh, at a centre bounce. And uh, the midfield have to change. They had to shake the midfield up, but midfield was too predictable, too uh, one-dimensional. And uh, Tom, as uh, he's changed his role uh, and seems to be willing to hold, certainly if you can count... Uh, knocking on the door of an unsuspecting young kid and driving him to school would show that he's pretty invested in what's happening at the footy club at the moment, As He is, but you just wonder whether a Brownlow medalist is happy playing this kind of bit part role um, and getting put on the bench at crucial times in the game. I think he sat out for five minutes, the last five minutes of the game, starting quarters on the bench. Maybe he's kind of... the Penny's dropped and he. this is where his career's at and he, he, he thinks he's part of something at the, at the Hawks and they're building something exciting. But if I was his manager, I'd be pushing for a move, to be honest. And she'd still be... It was when he broke his leg. Is that when he re-signed, like, his, his big deal? So, I mean, he's still on good coin, isn't he? He'd still be one of the top earners on the list, so... Uh, he'd probably be happy with the wicket that he's on if he's happy with the environment yeah. and the culture and his teammates. If he's going to change teams next year, he'll be on the same wicket he's on now. So uh, he's uh, he's not going to be initiating, I wouldn't think. But uh, we'll see. Well, I think we have a lot more to say about Tom, Tom Mitchell in the last few reviews and certainly as we keep these things in the spaces as we go regularly through the trade period, I think we're going to have a lot more to say about Tom Mitchell. So we'll Park that, as Damon Barrett would say, until then. Uh, number four, Jarman MP 10 disposals. He had five marks and a tackle, kicked it behind. 60% disposal efficiency, three turnovers, two intercept possessions, two score involvements. He had 114 metres gained. He also had one report withdrawn by the match review officer uh, this evening. That's come through from the AFL, so he is free to play. Next week uh, against Richmond, although some may not have him in the team, Darren. Yeah, it was not a great game. And I kind of feel like he's a bit lost playing there on the wing at times. I think when he's, he's either best off, off the back, playing off half back or kind of in that forward pocket putting pressure on, 10 pressure acts for the game, it's probably not good enough. And... I really liked him forward. I thought I thought that was a new role for him and I thought he would kind of develop um, more and kind of finish his career in that spot. But, um, yeah, he just looked a bit lost and when he did get his hands on the footy, he wasn't particularly clean with it. So definitely a day to forget for Jars. And 
again, a player who I think, unfortunately, has probably reached his ceiling. It's hard to see how he's going to get better from here. And it's just going to be a matter of how, how we use him because I don't think Sammy is, is seeing him as that dashing half-backman anymore. Where he fits into next year's best 22 will be really interesting whether he fits in at all or probably the more relevant question. Number six is James Sicily. Uh, great day by six. 26 disposals. I think I'm about second most of any player on the ground for Hawks. Uh, 18 kicks out eight handballs. Eight marks, two tackles. Um, he had 88% disposal efficiency, five turnovers, seven intercept possessions. He took one contested mark, 587 metres gained, two tackles, six rebound 50s, seven one percenters, 101 fantasy points for those who play such things. Um, five kickers or kicking play-ons as well, which tells you a bit about uh, what he likes to do with ball in hand at a kick-in. Uh, I thought he played an outstanding game. Um, Andrew? Yeah, I think the kick-ins definitely help with that metres gained stat because uh, he's always getting, you know, 60, 60 metres every time he comes from, from a kick-in. Um, yeah, I think this this game was the um, dotting the I's and crossing his T's in terms of confirmation of him being an All-Australian this year. It doesn't really matter now what happens in the next couple of weeks. Really solid effort. I think the only... The only negative you'd probably say, you got caught a couple of times holding the ball, trying to take players on. And I think actually once or twice that resulted in direct goals to, to Gold Coast. But other than that, it was a, a fairly flawless game from Sis. I gave him an eight out of 10. You might have given like 50 medal penalty as well for gobbing off at one stage too. Uh, but given the kick, was that 15 metres out from goal anyway? No great loss there. No, I thought he played a a tremendous game. And yeah, you're right. The last couple of weeks, you know, you, you wonder with the All-Australian selectors whether recency bias comes into play. He hadn't really had a standout game for about a month. And they said, remember those sorts of things. But uh, yeah, you're right. That should be the uh, the cherry on top for his first All-Australian blazer. Let's certainly hope so. Number seven, the hero of the day, the story of the day being the skipper, big boy, Ben McAvoy. Eight disposals, uh, one mark. Six tackles, he kicked a goal, 62% disposal efficiency. Four of those possessions were contested. Two turnovers, three intercept possessions. He had uh, took just the one mark, 106 minutes on the ground. He had a clearance. He had 31 hitouts. He had uh, 20 centre bounce attendances, 83 ruck contests. That's a fair day's work, uh, Darren, for the captain. Yeah, and... You, you could just tell they really wanted so one very big mark at the end of the game to, to snuff out the last hope of the Suns. Yeah, and then he kicks it on the floor um, straight away. <laughs> but uh, that was probably <laughs> he did, and it was probably enough. And uh, but you could just see how how the players wanted to win it for him. He's very emotional after the game, which made me very very nervous that he's maybe thinking. How can, you know, maybe thinking that his body can't go around again another year. I, I think we desperately need him to. He just shows so much leadership and I don't think we win that game or or really the past kind of few wins without McAvoy. Um, just leadership around the ground, little things. I could just see him yelling at plays at times and his calmness around the ground too. So... It's the stats, but then it's also his influence and leadership. And I'm just so happy they got the win for him. So um, it's it's 
going to be a seven and a half for number seven. Seven and a half from seven, that seems pretty fair to me. Uh, number 10, this guy played a good game, Jago Mira. Twin disposals, 14 kicks, six handballs, four marks, eight tackles, one goal, one. He had 55% disposal efficiency. He had 13 contested possessions. He had four turnovers, one intercept possessions. He had eight clearances, equal most for the day, two centre clearances and six stoppage clearances, eight tackles, seven inside 50s, one rebound 50. He had um, 15 centre bounce attendances. Um, just a good heart on a day that required you know some hardness around the contest. Uh, he was leading the way. I thought he played a terrific game. If I was giving votes, he'd be in them, Andrew. Yeah, well, we we you know our our friends through Hawks Insiders have probably uh, learned by now that Ash, you and I have have this season especially been at opposite ends of the Jager O'Meara spectrum. Um, it was a really, really good performance. And what I like about this is we talk about a number of guys like Harry Morrison and even the comments about Tom Mitchell before around um, around their roles potentially being found out a lot more in games that we lose. But the contribution in games where we win, where you're not reliant on him to be leading the way, I think are far more significant. So... When you've got Newcomb doing what he's doing, when you've got Nash doing what he's doing, when you've got Ward doing what he's doing, then Jager's role, I think, is heightened because those eight tackles and eight clearances mean a hell of a lot more and become a lot more obvious as part of, you know, the collective output of the midfield unit. So I agree. I thought his bigger body was fantastic uh, throughout the day. I gave him an eight out of ten. Yeah, pretty good ranking, I think, there. Number 11, Connor Nash, 19 disposals, seven marks, six tackles, did not score, 74% time in the the defensive half, 84% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions. He had three turnovers, three intercept possessions, four score involvements. All his marks were uncontested, 458 metres gained. He had one clearance. He had five inside 50s. He was at five centre bounces. He did not take a ruck contest or anything like that. Uh, Daz? I'm pretty relieved they're not experimenting with him in the ruck anymore because I don't think that worked particularly well. But, um, yeah, it was just a typical bash and crash performance from Nash. And he was one of our best players, I think, on, on the ground. I think he did a lot of really... Great things worked, worked really hard. A lot of pressure acts, a lot of um, a lot of physicality. Um, and I really, I really liked his game. So I'm gonna give him a seven and a half. All right, this guy might just wrap you back in town, and we we have probably been hardest and harshest on the, on the next player uh, for all of them. Why are you not in not me? Oh, Not me, Ash. I've no. been I've been on the Will Day fan club bandwagon the whole way through and have not gotten off once. <laughs> Will Day, twenty disposals. He had uh, five marks. He was sixty nine percent in the defensive half, seventy five percent disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions. He had four turnovers, twelve intercept possessions. That's the Will Day we know and love. Three score involvements. He had three hundred and sixty meters gained. He had. Uh, Five, two inside 50s, five rebound 50s. 
Um, he also took two kick-ins. Um, he's nearly, nearly, nearly back in town, Daz. Yeah, he is. And it was a supreme performance, I thought. Those 12 intercept possessions just um, cap, capped off a really great day for him and just shows his when Will Day's firing and um, kind of patrolling the back line there, he's kind of feeling like the new general a little bit at times. He, he, he really enjoys and thrives on that responsibility and, and that being that sort of key key floating player there in, in terms of disrupting attacks and launching us forward. And he played his role beautifully. And, uh, another player who really stood up in the second half when they were just hammering it in the whole, the, the whole half, really. So, yeah, just great to see him have a, have close the season out like this. And I hope he stays healthy and I hope he, he plays well the next couple of games. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an eight for me. Yeah, it's a shame that the season's finishing because he's finally found, started to find the form that we've sort of wanted to see from him all year. So he's got two weeks to really show something and then hopefully bottle that and come back with more of that next season. Number 13, Dylan Moore, uh, Mr. 50 game himself. 26 disposals, that was 12 kicks, 14 handballs, four marks, six tackles and a point, 69% disposal efficiency, 15 contested possessions, two turnovers. Um, he had five... One goal assist, five score involvements, 450 metres gained. He had uh, equal high clearances for Hawthorne with eight, being three centre and five stoppage. He had three inside 50s. He had 16 centre bounce attendances. Andrew, tell me about Dylan loves a point more. Oh my God. We thought how, you know, we thought it was just beautiful watching him all season, last season as a forward and uh, the start of this year. Like beautiful does not even describe the emotions that getting to watch him run through the midfield. I think one of those, the telling stats there, the eight clearances, and we talked about Jager. So the two of them had eight clearances and the next best had four. So they didn't just, you know, share the most clearances. Like, they dominated clearances for the team. Um, and also, I mean, it's interesting to note, Sammy Mitchell doesn't often name drop individuals in his press conference. Uh, and he was asked about a couple of players um, after the game, and he did name drop the development of Dylan Moore in the midfield. So, you know, that... that helped solidify in my mind the fact that this is permanent and to stop thinking about him as a forward and that it is all about his development as a midfielder. And, yeah, hopefully the the Sarongs and Butlers and even Brockman next year can um, work their way into key positions in that forward line so that we potentially, uh, unless we're in trouble and needing to do something to rotate our midfield not having to see Dylan Moore in the forward line again because he is an elite mid uh, I gave him an 8 out of 10 yeah good ranking played a super game Jack Scrimshaw 21 disposals he took 6 marks 2 tackles mainly a, a defensive half as we know 62% disposal efficiency including which the worst kick the absolutely shanked a kick at one stage. It was a terrible kick out of the back line after what he'd been, he'd taken a really good mark and then the worst kick. 
He had nine contested, 10 uncontested possessions, eight turnovers, 11 intercept possessions. He All his marks were uncontested. 327 metres gained, five rebound 50s, uh, two kick-ins. Daz, just another fine, solid game from uh, Jack Swimshaw. Yep, and consistent as ever. And he's human. He, he, he made a mistake. And I don't think... We, it's a pretty rare thing seeing Jack Scrimshaw making mistakes. So don't want to be too hard on him. And just a, a good solid seven of a game for Jack. Um, really important player down back for us. Number 15, Blake Hardwick. 16 disposals, 11 kicks, five handballs, five marks, a tackle, uh, mainly defensive half, 62% disposal efficiency, uh, six contested possessions, Six turnovers, three intercept possessions, three score involvements. Uh, all his marks uncontested. 221 metres gained. Uh, he had zero centre bounce attendances. He had five rebound 50s. And he absolutely and utterly took Isaac Rankin to the cleaners. Mr. Yeah, captain. $4 million for five years from Adelaide. And, uh, well, Rankin, Adelaide will be looking very closely at that game before they finalise that contract, I would have thought, because... Harvard destroyed him. Yeah, I mean, they're probably better off actually um, trying to tap up Blake Hardwick, really. They'd be better off getting Hardwick to the club than Rankin. But captain of the non-media All-Australian team, probably the best small defender in the competition. Every Hawthorne supporter knows that. Uh, I think, you know, Rankin had kicked three goals last week. In Was that against West Coast in, in a game that they just managed to win? that made all the difference. So, you know, we're talking about a game decided by a goal here uh, and Hardwick did what he's done all year and has just blanketed him and, and kept him to, to zero goals for the day. So another stellar performance, um, another eight out of 10 from me. Yeah, good ranking. Uh, good decision there. Number 19, if uh, the best story today was Ben McAvoy, this one, not far behind. Um, Jack Gunson, 14 disposals, 11 kicks, three handballs, eight marks, zero tackles, five goals, one, 86% disposal efficiency. He had um, five contested, nine uncontested possessions, 71% scoring, actually, I guess, if you're kicking five goals, one, nine score involvements. He took eight marks, two of them were contested, 323 metres gained on the ground, 113 minutes. Uh, not much more to say about the numbers other than a fantastic game. He really was on on a track. Personal best is six, and at halftime, we thought he was a huge chance to uh, get the person uh, to you know, to get the seven. Um, didn't go. I think, I think he's got all his goals in the first half, but it's just a, a great effort. He knows that ground beautifully. It's sparked immediate discussions that we will have on the spaces on Thursday night about what his contract situation should be going forward, but. Before I get you to rank him, Daz, the other, the, and I've written about this in the story, you often used to watch the Hawthorne games in Launceston and you could see his father, Ray, actually leading against the boundary line on the 50-metre arc at whichever end Jack was kicking to. So I think for him to go to that ground and kick five goals in the first game that his old man, of course, Ray, was not there, I think added an extra dimension to it because uh, you could see the, you could see sometimes Ray actually leading over the fence give him a bit of guidance, tell him where to run and what to do. So it would have been, I think it would have been quite an emotional outing for Jack uh, to do that on that ground uh, on that occasion. 
Yeah, for sure. And you could just tell he plays that ground so well. The thing about Jack is he plays a game like that and then the week before he he's just completely, um, you know, anonymous. So he needs to get some consistency in his footy. I, th- I still think he's got so much to contribute for us and I would be offering him, you know, a couple of years while this forward line develops because he can turn it on and it just look unstoppable at times. And I did think he was going to keep seven goals, but, um, yeah, probably probably should have got at least six. But, um, yeah, just a- another great game for Jack. And I just hope that he doesn't go and disappoint me next week and play a completely anonymous game like he did the week before. There's a good CG next week, which he knows even better than uh, Tasmania. So... Uh, but I'll do, we will have a, a deep discussion, I think, about Jack Gunson as we start looking at the Hawthorne list going forward and what the Hawks should do. I, I know that uh, Brad and Danny in particular have some strong views about him. So we'll broaden the discussion on the spaces the next week or two. Luke Bruce, his great mate, 22 for Hawthorne. He, 15 disposals, two, mar- uh, two marks, two tackles, one goal, two, a couple of unusual misses for him. 60% disposal efficiency. He had seven... He had nine contested, seven uncontested possessions, six turnovers, one intercept possessions, seven score involvements, um, 295 metres gained. They're the key figures for Luke Brust. Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, a classic Luke Bruce sort of game that we're going to get. Uh, obviously, time to time, he's going to do absolutely nothing and other times he's going to kick three or four. Uh, but this is this is the sort of game we're going to be expecting each week combined with Jack Gunston providing leadership up forward. Uh, unlike Marbio Chol, uh, he has still kicked a goal uh, in every game this season that he's played. Uh, so I think he's up to 38 now for the year. So really good return. Agree that he probably would have liked to have kicked a couple that he should have, um, that he missed. Um, so, yeah, good enough day at the office. I've given him a six out of ten. Okay, this next one will be interesting. Jacob Kaczynski, 13 disposals. He had uh, five marks, two tackles, kicked a goal, 63% in the offensive half, 77% disposal efficiency, four contested possessions, three turnovers, five, uh, three intercept possessions. He had uh, took five marks. One of those was contested. He had 226 metres gained, three hit-outs, two tackles. He had two centre-bounce attendances, 12 ruck contests, which really suggests that Ben McAvoy did most of the heavy lifting in this game. Um, I sent, I think I might have sent to you guys, I certainly sent to mate of mine. I called him the hands of old hands, old wooden hands, Kaczynski, but... Uh, Someone got back to me and said, well, actually, Wood's got a bit of given it. I think cement is a more appropriate uh, term for him. He, he is just dropping too many marks. He had a couple of chances early to really clunk a couple and miss them. Did enough to sort of get away with it. He was serviceable enough for the rest of the game and kicked the goal. Uh, Daz, how's he going? It's such a shame that he's dropping those marks because he works so hard and you cannot fault his effort every week. And he actually took a really good intercept mark at a, at a crucial um, part of the game just on the other end of the ground. So, you know, the, the swing to swinging Kaziski back is always an option. Um, but, yeah, shades of Tim O'Brien at times and 
I just feel bad for him because I think I think he's there's something there, and I'm a huge shaker because it's he apologist because I think he's got a future, and I think we just have to be patient with him, and um, he's he's got all the tools to be to be really, if not a a, a great key forward in his own right. A, a great sort of Robin to Mitch Lewis's Batman. So um, I'm a glass half full sort of person on Kaczynski, so I'm going to give him a five and a half. We go now to another polarising player at the Hawthorne Football Club, Denver Granger Barras, six disposals, three marks, two tackles, did not score, did not leave the defensive half. 83% disposal efficiency for Denver. All possessions uncontested. Two score involvements. Um, he took three marks. As I said, 100 metres gained. He uh, had no kickouts. Um, but, again, people look at the stats sheet and say that he didn't uh, do a whole lot. I would say that given that neither Levi Casbolt nor Mubby or Chol really had a big effect on the game... <laughs> Uh, sorry, Scott, the dog barking once again. Um, how did you, uh, what, what do we think of Denver Granger Brass, Andrew? Well, so just a couple of things. And, and obviously, Brad's pretty much delisted DGB at this point. So uh, he's making room on, on the list for uh, a pick, pick somewhere in the 60s plus that he likes to talk about the value of given our success. Um, uh, look, he had six spoils. So he had, as many spoils as any other Hawk player, I think shared with Sis and Ben McAvoy um, for spoils. So that is something. Uh, there's one, we, we had it in our recap today, Ash, the spoil at the start of the, um, at the start of the second quarter that actually resulted in an unbelievable um, Jack Scrimshaw tackle for holding the ball um, in the same play. But, he was fearless going into that contest, running with the flight, and it was an incredible spoil. And, you know, like I just look at that as a piece of play and go, like he's got it. it like he's got something as a defender. He's always been fine putting his body on the line. Uh, early days, he seemed to misjudge, you know, misjudge against the bigger boys. Um, when to spoil, but he's got the heart, he's got the smarts. The big question's going to be um, with Jekka's emergence um, and Frost coming back at the start of next year. Forget Kyle Hardigan, Frost, Jekka, Blank, DGB, Sicily. How do you appease all of them throughout the season to rotate them through? So I mean, I've got heaps of time for him. He's a kid. He's got to put a lot of weight on his frame still. Um, he's a top-end draft pick for a reason. Um, he gets a pass because he was part of that successful unit that kept the big guys quiet. I gave him a five and a half um, and, and have time for him. Remind me on the spaces the next few weeks, we're going to have a debate between uh, Danny, who is captain of the DGB fan club and Brad who wants him uh, made to walk to Rockness Island um, to see who 
I think we're going to have a debate over DGB, where he belongs with the footy club. I think that would be that would take up a whole spaces of itself. I think. Um, I feel two, like that would be wasted in a space. I feel like it should be in a ring where they've got gloves on. I think that would be a bit of more entertaining. <laughs> Every single time, uh, match day uh, on a match day WhatsApp group, he'll Brad will slag DGB and and. Danny just he just types in automatic. We have him looking. He's a second year player, Brad. Happens <laughs> 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 every, every single time. I'll scream at it. We should put on Twitter one day. Just uh, the conversation. Well, Number five. It's also it also a big belief, biggest belief, because he's such a Jacob Weedering fan. And they have the exact same body. Like, that's what weedering looked like five years ago. Tracking, and you could argue the tracking in very similar fashion as well. Exactly so. the same. <laughs> Poor Brad, he's, he's blue got uh, fresh today, so he's doing a bit hard. Uh, Josh Ward, well, uh, 20 disposals, uh, 14 kicks, six handballs, three marks, four tackles, one. Goal one, the goal was an absolute beauty. A left foot snap, second of his career. 80% disposal efficiency. Eight contested possessions. He had four turnovers, two intercept possessions, three goals, his seven score involvements, um, 356 metres gained, 100 minutes on the ground. I'm trying to find, he had four clearances, as I said. He had six centre bounce attendances. Um, he played very, very well. Uh, Des? Yeah, that was... A super impressive performance, and I'm so excited about Josh Ward. I think I'm just another one who I'm just glad is putting together a consistent run of footy towards the end of the year because he's really showing what he's got now and why he was so highly rated. It wasn't just a snap goal; it was that sort of perfect delivery to to Jager in the, I think it was the third quarter um, where he just lowered his eyes and just threaded the needle and and, and hit. Jager on the chest, the blind turn that led to the Gunston goal. He just has all the tools to be a top midfielder in this league. And, you know, leadership qualities as well. It just, I cannot be more excited about Josh Ward. Um, so I'm going to give him a seven and a half. I'm being very generous, generous today with my ratings. Uh well deserved. He's been since coming back. He's been terrific. He's been the player that we. He's now playing at the level that we sort of hoped all along at the start of the year. We saw a couple other first year players being super impressive. Interesting um, with the rising star. He whether he's probably not top five in the voting, but he'd be six to ten now. I think when they, which means he might make the vote. But uh, had a good year. Yeah, and he and he's doing it in the guts. He's not getting cheap possessions off the half back line and. No knock on Nick Dacos, because I think Dacos is a special player. I really do. But um, Josh Ward's playing a, you know, playing a really hard position um, against bigger-bodied season midfielders. So um, it, it's scary what he's going to be like in a few years. Number 29 was uh, on debut for Hawthorne. It was Jai Sarong, nine disposals. Four kicks, five handballs, three marks, three tackles. One of those marks was an absolute beauty. Specky that uh, may be a sneaky chance for a mark of the week domination this week. 72% in the offensive half. Um, six, uh, th- he had five contested possessions. He had three turnovers, one 
uh, intercept possession. He had 113 metres games on the ground for 84 minutes. He had uh, one one percenter, two inside 50s, one tackle inside 50 that uh, got Dermot very excited at one stage. Um, how did you rate his debut, Andrew? I think this is one of those uh, game sheet stat lines that uh, can go out the window and be kind of irrelevant because he didn't have a massive impact on the game. So we're not really, uh, I don't think we should be rating his performance based on, you know, his numbers. Uh, He didn't have the 20 touches. He wasn't someone that everyone was talking about. He, He had that massive that massive mark, which was wonderful. I think more importantly, he just looked like he belonged. He was confident. Um, his touches were good. Like you felt like he, it wasn't his first game. He's, he's played a few games the way he was, um, the way he was playing out there and his running patterns and what he was doing uh, around the ground. So um, he, he gets a pass again, not, not a massive impact on the contest, but enough to, be excited about and I, I put a call out to uh to Sir Swamp and he hates me Sir Swamp he hates me because I think there are a few times we've called him out on some stats or wanting to get some stats and he, he's just blatantly ignored the campaign that the good people on Twitter have led when I put something out and he hasn't responded and I think my tweet had you know about a dozen plus likes around when's the last time at Hawthorne or any team in the comp outside of potentially GWS or Gold Coast have had all of their first year draftees um, playing. Uh, Somebody on HHQ anticipated this and said they can't recall it ever happening at Hawthorne. Um, they pointed out one game in 98 when six of the top, more than eight draftees that year, and six of the eight played in one game. Yeah, but so uh, it would make more sense thinking about, like you only, it's mandatory to have three picks at the draft, right? So it's more likely to be a case when someone has either traded away picks like we've done in the past to get players in and only take a minimal, minimal picks at the selection table. But even still, four first-year players, when you're talking about um, generally you don't have them all at the front end of the draft, it's a bloody hard thing to accomplish. So that in itself is exciting and he gets bonus points for that, I guess. Great day for Mark McKenzie, the list manager, to uh, have that happen. And uh, I've said this a few times that uh, one thing Hawthorne supporters don't need to worry about is how is identifying good footballers. I know it's only one game for Sarong, but the fact that all four are considered good enough to play within the first 20 games of their debut season to all play together is a pretty good outcome. So well done to him. Uh, speaking of draftees, uh, Sam Butler, six disposals. Uh, three kicks, three handles, took a mark, a tackle, did not score, 67% disposal efficiency, turnovers, three intercept possessions, one contested possessions, four, one goal assist, one score involvement, uh, 112 metres gained, 
pretty quiet day for uh, probably one of the quieter days Sam Butler's had at the footy club so far, Des. It was, and I think he didn't even touch it in the third quarter, but that was more of an issue with us just, you know, with, with them just launching attack after attack and us being a bit sloppy on the turnover. But, yeah, Sammy, another player who I'm just happy he's getting minutes and um, see, you just see one or two moments in a game and it's kind of enough for you. I think he, maybe the first quarter, there was that sort of fake hand pass and he hit Cozzy. Um, uh, I think that was his his goal assist. And I think that's just enough for me to, to, to know that Sam Butler is going to be a player. Um, a lot, probably along with Warden, along with McDonald, which it was a super draft. Um, you know, I know things, a lot of stuff can happen in footy, but it's looking to be a pretty super draft for us. So not, not his best game, but, you know, Give him, I'll give him a four, but um, I'm just liking what I'm seeing from him every week. Same goes for this guy, number 31, Connor McDonald, 14 disposals. He had uh, three tackles. He had 43% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions. He had uh, four turnovers, six intercept possessions. He had three score involvements, 159 metres gained, three tackles, including one inside 50. He had two inside 50s, one rebound 50. Um, He's not going to get the rising star nomination, I don't think. Three games to go because uh, he hasn't had the really sort of a, just the game with the huge numbers that Kevin Sheehan tends to like when he does his Monday morning lottery. But Jesus had a, an outstanding season and he just looks like he belongs. And I'm starting to think that if you look at this draft class with four players, he's going to be, I think he's going to be the, the Jordan Lewis of this draft class in that he won't be elite at anything, but he's going to be very good at more than enough elements of the game to be an outstanding 200-game league footballer. Andrew? Yeah, and I think an extension of that is you don't necessarily need to compare him to the individual, but you've used Jordan Lewis. So if we're going for Lewis, Mitchell, Hodge and Saul as a collective, like... Uh, it's just heaven thinking about Newcomb, Ward, McDonald, Dylan Moore, and actually now even adding Finn McGuinness into the mix. And again, like for me to say that, like as a young midfield unit, I go, it's really sad that we finish playing footy in two weeks and have to not see them all playing together for six months. But also, like, how exciting that we get to play the Bulldogs in the last round of the season who have such a great core group of midfielders to go, what a great, great test for this group and how exciting is it? And Connor McDonald, as you mentioned, might not end up with that rising star nom, but is still odds on to walk away with our best first-year player award at the at the Crimmins medal. Um, and there's just something about him the silk the time that he's got to make decisions and and the decisions that he make are, are just fantastic so um probably gets uh five and a half or six for his game on the weekend um he had a couple of moments but uh, i think it's about the the season to date and uh given what we thought of josh ward at the start of the year after the draft without seeing anyone play versus Connor McDonald. Um, 
yeah, he's had a brilliant season and is is right up there as one of the fan favourites of the kids coming through. Speaking of fan favourites, this guy is gaining fan. The bandwagon is filling up by the week. Finn McGuinness, only the 10 disposals, only the two marks, but he had 10 tackles. He had um, 50% disposal efficiency. Um, but really, let's not worry too much about the stats. Let's talk about the fact that he, uh, another big scalp, um, as good as any he's had this year, the in-form Took Miller, a player who two times ago against Hawthorne had 37 touches in the middle eight, just had no one to go with him. The best part, I wrote this in the recap, the best part was in the pregame interview, Stuart, you said, you're thinking uh, Finn McGuinness might go to Miller. And he said, yes, that's what we're expecting. So they had a plan for it. They were expecting it. And they couldn't do much about it because uh, McGuinness won the battle. And uh, Sam Mitchell was very keen to point out post-game. Miller had three uncontested possessions and uh, not a lot of metres gained compared to his usual outfit. So another great day for uh, Finn McGuinness, uh, Daz. You know, I think going forward in his player ratings, we're going to have to read out the uh, his opposition player, yeah. <laughs> his um, his stats, and I yeah. have them here. And five, <laughs> he had five hundred ninety-one meters gained last week and eighty-two. So, I mean, in terms of a, a tagging role, you just can't really get much better than that. Um, I think I saw Jazz at the first time in three years. Maybe that Miller's had less than 100 metres gained in their game. Mm. So in terms of sticking to that task, you, and, you, and you know what, he actually kind of, he, he didn't get a lot of the footy, but he kind of hurts teams as well. He's starting to hurt teams on the other end. His delivery inside the floor, 50 I've spoken about before, is improving week to week. Um, he's, there's, there's going to be a point where Finn becomes a midfielder in his own right and will hopefully be a player that other teams put work into. But in terms of where he's at in his development, this tagging role um, has really given him a lot of confidence, given him a lot of, uh, you know, a role in the, a clear role in the team. And um, it's really just setting him up for a future, which is uh, looking brighter by the week. When the story of a lot of midfielders is told, um, they, when they talk about the career evolution, they will say that oh, he really, he, he, the, the big key to his development when we, he spent a year as a run with player. Because that's when he learned how, that's when he learned his midfield craft. So I'm wondering whether that is what McGuinness is now going through, that, that stage where they've said, to him, you're going to spend a year as a run with player and you're going to see how the best players go about it. Because he's got the tank to be, yeah, and he's, he, got, he's, got the, he's got the tank and the smarts to be an offensive midfielder. His disposal still was a bit wonky, and he missed a shot on Saturday. You know, on, on the run from fairly close, and he should have he should have kicked uh, yeah. in the third quarter. That was the throw the remote control uh, miss for the afternoon. Um, but he's getting there, and it's just been a it's been a super season. And uh, you know, he's you know again we're already starting to do our best twenty twos for next year. And Jesus, uh, hard to leave him out now or of Hawthorne's best twenty two because you're gonna always find a role for him. What rank? What did you give him? What was your rating? Oh, I'm I'm giving him an eight and a half because um, I think he was probably the, the difference when you think about negating their best player and their most damaging player. So um, it was it was just a terrific game, and he's not he's not a tagger in the way that we've we've kind of understood taggers in the past. The niggly Ryan Crowley's of the world, he can actually play footy. 
and he's he's beating these he's an athletic beast and he's he's beating these guys at their own game. Yeah, I am going to watch. I don't watch a lot of games over summer, particularly games at Hawthorne lose, but I think the Melbourne game might be watched at one stage over time just to sort of watch what McInnes did that uh, on that on that game to Langley, which really was the start of it all. Um, Emerson Jacko, as I think you guys mentioned on last week, you know, the, the beauty of Hawthorne, all these, all the, the best part of this part at the moment is all is towards the end because it's all the younger players. Uh, that we get to talk about because they've got all the high numbers. Number 39, Emerson Jecker. His first full game as a key defender for the Hawks, uh, 16 disposals, 12 kicks, four handballs, seven, took seven marks. He had 88% in the defensive half. He had uh, four contested possessions, went at 69% disposal efficiency, eight turnovers, eight intercept possessions. Uh, obviously, seven marks, two were contested. He had uh, 200, 267 metres gained. He uh, had three rebound 50s, four one percenters. Uh, and more indication when given time or space, you don't know whether he's left foot or right foot, Andrew. Yeah, he's a great user of the ball uh, and, and looks very elegant when he, when he does have it. Uh, I think that it's actually really sad that we're not, 10 rounds ago and get to see him play, you know, another seven, eight, nine games. Cause it feels like we're just like, like the stones just being polished and the diamonds just starting to shine through. And it's all sort of happened late in the season. And I want, like, I want to see more and I want to see him play with blank. I want, I want them to play the next two games together and, and I want DGB to be there as well so that they can work together as a unit. And really, they've got two games to do it together, which is a bit unfortunate. But think about the two have... games. Next week, it's it's Lynch and Rewalt. And then in round 23, it's uh, it's Bruce Norton and Hugel Hagen. Um, yeah, massive. It's, fa- it's fantastic. And in these last two weeks, Sam Mitchell just be, will be licking his lips with... with anticipation to seeing what these guys do in the next two weeks against two pretty handy forward uh, combinations. And also, I mean, they're elite professional footballers, so they are going to be going out wanting to win and will be disappointed if they don't. But we all know, like we said off the top, we've won eight matches this season. So it actually doesn't matter if we lose the next two games and if they experiment and uh, get the experience playing with each other and get the experience playing on these big bodies, then they're going to be all the better for it. And the result actually doesn't matter. So um, he was absolutely fantastic. I think I mentioned on the pod last week, Ash, you said in the WhatsApp group when he came on as the sub in his first game that we may have just now uncovered the next premiership full-back and centre-half-back combination with Blank and, and Jekka. And, um, I mean, it's just awesome that it's also another story of the, you know, like chucking Scrimshaw up forward and putting more in the middle. And, like, it's just come from the coaching brains trust of going, let's play him down back at Box Hill, doing an unbelievable job and then carrying it in into senior football is... Unbelievable. So sad we don't get to see too much more of it this year. Um, really good effort. Part of that back line, as you mentioned, that kept their tolls totally at bay. Uh, I gave him a seven and a half out of 10. 
there's really no excuse now. I think, Daz, you've made this point a few times. There's really no excuse anymore for James Sisley ever being the first or second key defender. 100%. Yeah, all of a sudden we're looking like we've got, you know, we don't have to draft defenders anymore, which is pretty exciting. We can focus on rebuilding this midfield, maybe adding um, some top-tier talent in the forward line. But it looks pretty solid, and I, I just love the fact that we've found players completely out of nowhere. Blank, um, Jacker. You know, I still, I still actually thought Jacker had a lot to offer in the forward line, but um, yeah, he's he's just slotted in perfectly. He's he's a big boy. He's he's really tall, and he just looks he just looks like he could play tall, play small. He's got all the athletic ability to, to lock down on anyone. And as I said in the ranking, 462-day wait between his first game and, and getting to sing the song, which even though Hawthorne haven't been going much good lately, that is a very long wait uh, compared to Josh Ward had zero. Sarong <laughs> <laughs> as well. Sarong, <laughs> McDonald. <laughs> sang it from day one. So uh, well done to Jekka. Uh, when they showed the vision of in the, on the Hawthorne Twitter of the, of the club song. Oh, Jack hasn't played the win. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> Look odd. And look, well, why is it, what's he doing in the, what's he doing? Oh yeah, he hasn't played the win yet. So well done to him. Uh, number 44, our last player is, I haven't forgotten anyone this week. I usually do forget someone, but I think I've actually 22 for 22. Yay me. John Newcomb, 27 disposals, 11 kicks, 16 handballs, seven marks, a tackle did not score. 78% disposal efficiency, 11 contested, 16 uncontested possessions, uh, six intercept possessions. He took uh, seven marks, all uncontested, 399 metres gained and 16 centre bounce attempts, which I think made him the, the, the winner for the week. Uh, Andrew, just uh, the Pelters continue, another fine game. <sighs> <laughs> He's smoking a cigar. What? Are you sitting back and smoking a cigar? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm just thinking <laughs> about... <laughs> I'm just thinking about Jai in general. Like, do you know what? We talk about draft picks and we talk about draft classes and it's just still incredible to think about, you know, the love we have even for James Blank now and Jai Newcomb and we talk about nailing draft picks and their mid-season draft prodigies it's it's the story we've heard the story it's been written about you know the poo Wong kid all of that sort of stuff and but it is actually incredible that it's round 20 and this kid just has not dropped off like he his kicking's gotten better I feel like his field kicking has gotten better um he's still getting plenty of metres gained. Uh, he's still contesting. He's still getting clearances. And, you know, we were crying out at the start of the year for the older guys, the Jagers, the Tom Mitchells to be um, leading the way. And, and it's been Jai. Like, he'd have to be top three in our BNF just about. He's certainly top five. Um, and, yeah, it's just... It's amazing. He's amazing again on the weekend. Um, part of that that young midfield unit we talked about, and um, 
Uh, I can I can talk about him for as long as you like. Absolutely loved him. I uh, gave him a seven and a half out of ten for his efforts on the weekend. I am really, really looking forward to going to MCG on Sunday. I know he's played against him already, but this that bit extra confidence he's got now. Really looking forward to seeing him going up against Prestia and Cochin and the Richmond midfield on uh, Sunday at the MCG. It'll be terrific. Uh, I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm not, I mean, to say, it's, as you said, it's a bit of a shame the last game, just about all this we'll see live for the year, but I'm just looking forward to seeing Hawthorne go up against the pros from Richmond, just seeing how the kids go and seeing how guys like Newcomb go and seeing how the back line goes, uh, deals with them. It's just going to be a really illustrative afternoon for footy. Just cannot wait for it. Well, the beauty of it is, it, it, again, it doesn't matter if we lose, right? So Jai, like, just learn. Like be in there amongst the big bodies and um, have a crack and just see what it's like. You know, even the likes of um, Jack Graham and seeing Bolton run through and like they've got such a great rotation of mids and Cochin had an unbelievable game on the weekend and uh, obviously you mentioned Prestia, so... Absolutely, um, but the actual end results are relevant. Just see what it's like playing against the the professional unit that's the Tigers. So that'll be very exciting. Yeah, we've got after a good way to finish the certainly the live season anyway. And two games account because both Richmond and the Bulldogs will need to win. So it adds a bit of meaning to the last two games. Uh, just a question, both of you, how, how did the coach go? Yeah, I think that he's done a pretty good job because, you know, given Gold Coast's wayward kicking, you know, they potentially should have won the game. And uh, certainly in the last quarter, it looked like and certainly felt like uh, it was on trend for us to to be coming away with a loss. So um, I think, again, just as part of that whole experience to have a lead to have a game that you should be able to protect to have a team that's coming at you and number of things I think in the last quarter big boy came behind the ball a little bit more um, which was important um, yeah I think he's done a good job he's been able to get the mix of young players by getting Sarong another game by getting Granger Barras keeping him in the team to give him another game um, yeah, I think uh, a big tick for Sammy this week down in Tassie. I think he coached uh, very well as he has most weeks. That has been our player rankings podcast on the Hawks Insiders. Um, it will be available, uh, hopefully, it will be downloaded, but it'll be available to you by Monday for your Monday commute. Just hope you're enjoying your commute to work having listened to this. We'll be back with our spaces on. Thursday night, and I've quite already got a bit of a mental list going for the uh, rundown. We've got a bit to get through. If you will, I think get some debate going. I think between some of our some of our regulars uh, on uh, Thursday night. I don't think we've got guests at the stage, but uh, it will be a fruity conversation with two weeks to go. Um, Fifty dollars for a twelve month subscription, five dollars for monthly subscri- subscription to support us. We're going to sit down very shortly, the three of us, uh, to plan the off-season and we'll have lots of great content coming through throughout, including AFLW as well, which uh, kicks off in a couple of weeks. Any last words, gents, before we finish up? 
it's been nice to be the the three originals back on doing the review pod. And I think it's been a few weeks yeah, since been been the three of us. So yeah, nice way to to recant win number eight for the year. Recant or recap? Recap. Decant. Decant. Uh, um, like a fine wine. Yeah. I won't be here for the next week's one. So it was nice for the original three of us to be back. Um, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. For your support of Hawks Insiders, uh, go watch the replay again for the 13th time. And we will catch you again over the course of the week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week.